I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. As always, find us on Twitter. I'm at JB Edmore. This very podcast is at the Rugby Dungeon. And of course, there is Egg Chasers. Me, Tim and Phil, every week without fail. Find us on Twitter at Rugby Podcast if you want to comment or get involved with the debate or, you know, do all the nice stuff. Today I am joined by Charlie Walker. Charlie is an outside back, used to play at 13, played at Harlequins for a long, long time, played a bit of sevens, but now finds himself at Zebra Rugby in Italy. Charlie is a very interesting fella, very opinionated, and I think you will enjoy it. So uh, here it is. This is my interview with Charlie Walker. Enjoy. Uh, right. Well, I am delighted to be joined by Charlie Walker. Charlie, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. Just... Um... Got back to the Italian lifestyle, uh, flew back over here on Thursday, and it's about 20 degrees, the sun's out, so you can't complain, really. Nice. Well, I'm in Manchester, it's about six degrees raining and windy, which is pretty standard for all here. Similar. <laughs> uh, now, I guess first things first, we should really dive into serious stuff. I've just phoned you on WhatsApp. Tell me about your profile picture. Um, what is it? Uh, <laughs> it's you semi, semi-topless in a, um, leopard, in a leopard print um, jacket. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, nice and professional, that. Um, that was, well, it would be two years ago now. We were lucky enough to be sent on a pre-season kind of, not a pre-season camp. It was a pre-season piss-up, really, with Harlequins. Um, so we got sent on a three-day trip to Amsterdam. And that was, uh, to put in a few words, probably an interesting festival uh, <laughs> we went to um, on the Saturday, which... Obviously, we we all bought into put some pretty uh, interesting garments on. I, um, <laughs> I I love the idea that you all bought into it because I usually use you know all bought into it when it's something awful like a bit of fitness. You've all got to buy into it, but it's good that you all bought into a festival. Yeah, hundred percent. I think <laughs> um, as as you can tell, every, every, everyone's looking the part. Um, there's probably a lot less clothes than a lot of other people were wearing, but um, yeah, no, it's one of the, actually I'll, I'll put it up there. One of the best trips we went on is at Quinn. Um, I think a lot of teams have gone away from the kind of, you know, we'll go on a pre-season army camp because if, as long as you get the hard work, hard work done back at wherever your training base is, I think if you, if you put four, five, six weeks in at the start of pre-season, then a little breakaway of that isn't negative for anyone and it's actually a good bonding experience, which it definitely was for the boys. Oh, I, complete, I, I completely agree with you. In fact, you know what, I think as rugby gets more and more competitive, I mean, all the conditioning is broadly the same. I don't buy it at all. Do you know when the team gets a new coach and the first thing they say is, oh, they're not fit enough or we have to do more fitness? I don't buy that at all. I think as it gets more competitive, the bonding side is going to be much, much more important. 
Yeah, definitely. I think, um, well, that was actually when uh, Paul Gaspar had just come in. So, obviously, he'd come from Sarri. So he kind of knew the levels um, of fitness that he wanted from his team. And I think that's, you know, that's credit to the boys. I think he came in and saw saw the levels where we were at. And, you know, well, in hindsight for players, that's probably why he gave us the... Um, you know, a couple of days off, and obviously he wanted us to get to know each other. There was quite a new, couple of new faces, um, and yeah, I think I, personally I would agree that's the best way to get to know your teammates. You know, go around talking to them. There's only so much you can do at training, and yeah, exactly. You, know, you probably get to know your players best after you've had a beer with them. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Did were Harlequins quite into that um, team trips, trips out, and trips overseas culture? Because that sounds something. I mean, that obviously is something from Saracens. It is bought over from uh, bought over by Gustard. Yeah, uh, in the past, I think it was more, it was definitely more player-driven. I think definitely when I first joined the club, um, just kind of the different uh, sets of lads. There was probably a lot more single lads when I first joined the club. And, you know, if you've got a few older lads who are, you know, they've not got families and stuff, they they kind of drive the social side of things. And it changed probably as as we got older. A lot more guys have families. When you're senior boys, all got families, you know, it's got to come from the young lads who are, yeah, you know, they've got to step up and drive it, and obviously that's sometimes quite a hard thing to do for the young lads. Do you know what? That's um, a really interesting point. I've never thought of that. I've never thought of the fact that as a team gets older, it might get a little less teamy because, of course, all the older players need to go away and do other things. Yeah, we, we we always joked about it. Like, obviously, when we were uh, when I first joined at Quinns, there was me, Sinclair, Merrick, Clifford, all in a first year house, um, and it was very much. A lot of the senior guys at Quinns, you know, you know the guys who um, won the Premiership, the main the mainstay in that team, they were majority single at the time. So they, you know, if we were playing Tyndale away or something on a Saturday, mm. then I mean, you got the text going out after the Quinns game saying, right, we've got a social at this place. As an eighteen year old, there's no excuses. Yeah, we're getting the train back to Kings Cross and making our way across <laughs> wherever it was. Yeah, um, but no, it, de- it definitely did change it. But I think that's just, you know, that's probably natural in any club. I think. It was just it just happened to be Quinns at that time. That that was the you know the, the dynamic of the club, and probably there is similar around the club, but uh, different clubs. But I think that we were just an anomaly at the time. How are you? Um, how are you bonding with the with, with the Italian lads? Uh, they're generally probably the one of the best sets of lads I've played with um, mm. as a majority. Uh, they're a very cl- close group, uh, close group of boys. Um, it was obviously quite nice for me to come over and. Already knowing a few of the guys, I've grown up with Jamie Elliott, uh, played quite a bit when I was younger with Dave Cece. Yep. Um, where where, and, where, yeah, where, a, where do you know Dave Cece from? Is that England age grades, is it? Or Yeah, he was England 18s with us, England 20s. Um, unfortunately, he was injured quite a bit back back in the day. But yeah, no, it was nice coming over here, obviously having a few familiar faces. Um, the Italian boys are really welcoming. Um, and yeah, it's in the change room as a close grip the pre-season it was you know there's no egos around that club um, there's just a lot of good blokes and all the boys are there for each other it's, it's very tight grip and, and especially with having a you know there's a bit of a larger group of foreigners this year so I think there's about 15 of us um, is it really? you kind of find yeah you 15 non-Italians and I think you kind of find when you're in a foreign country you tend to you know obviously there's a bit of a language barrier in some cases but those guys kind of look after you, and I can. They've actually been really good since. Obviously, I'm injured at the moment. They've been pretty pretty helpful considering I can't drive or anything. 
Of course, yeah, because, yeah, because of your knee. Um, when you're at Quinn's, um, yep. I, I mean, obviously Quinn's is quite heavily rooted in that in that local area. It's a London club. It's been a London club since its inception. Um, what about Zebra? Yep. Because that's not exactly a club which is you know root, rooted in that area. Is that an amalgamation of um, of a few clubs? And, and do you have a lot of guys who are Zebra through and through and come through the academy and whatnot? Uh, no. So it's very, it's a completely different system out here. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, you've got the two professional franchises in, well, technically we're not actually professional franchises, we're still actually amateur rugby clubs. Really? It was interesting to see on the contract when it gets put through. Um, so there's us and there's obviously Benetton Treviso. Uh-huh. Um, we actually only have one player who's from Parma through and through, which is uh, Marci Violi. The scrum half. Wow. So a lot of the other guys uh, predominantly from the north of Italy. There's not much rugby played in the south of Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one guy from Sicily who's, you know, he, he did come up. There is an academy system that, that was based in Palmer. It's now moved, but mm-hmm. they they got moved at, at a young age straight after school into this academy. And then most of them play at the local clubs. Um, so in the Serie A, the league below, uh, they all play for those kind of clubs. And interesting, we've actually got six players who the rugby club in Rome is actually um, a police rugby club. So no. they actually start their life after school as policemen. So there, we've got six players in the team, like Carlo Tanner and stuff, um, who are all actual uh, policemen. So they're. Getting, I never knew that. Nah, so they're playing rugby at the moment, but obviously as soon as they finish rugby... They have done all the training. They're qualified policemen, if that's the right term, and they just go straight back into that. That's that's quite um, a good little exit, um, actually. Yeah, no, uh, it's a it's a different system, um, and you know, you could say one way it works, and some ways it doesn't work. But I think that's kind of the the surprises that Italy brings. I think that a lot of people will look in and say they're getting it wrong, and you actually can take a lot from it and say they're actually doing stuff right. That's that's really interesting. Now, you know, not to talk too much about Carlo Canna, but, I mean, was he spending time previously on the streets doing police work and then was doing rugby after work and now he's a, full, a full-time rugby player? Is that how that worked? Yeah, so they would play, as far as I know, obviously I'm not the expert on it all and probably some of it gets lost in translation with me, um, <laughs> but they would have finished school and... Then they start playing for the local, the, the rugby club in Serie A in Rome. Mm. And so they're, they're playing, um, it's only part-time, so they're doing all their training, as getting qualified as policemen and then playing on Saturdays. So. Wow. Do you know, um, just... We've got... Sorry, go on. Uh, no, I think there's about six, six or seven boys in the team that do that. And then obviously you have all the other boys that will play from wherever they're from in Italy. But most of the rugby is based in the north of Italy. Yeah, so where you're based then is a. I mean, I, I take it there's not much of a club scene. There's not much of not much of anything going on on a Saturday. Should you not be playing, you couldn't just go down to a local field and watch some games, no? Uh, there's a there's a lot of stuff fairly close by. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, this afternoon, um, I think at Calvisano, who you know, yep. you know from the European Cup, they're playing. Um, I think they're playing Colonna. Um, Kelowna is obviously just up the road from uh, from from Palmer. Well, not obviously. Uh, um, it's like 20, 20 minutes up the road. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot a lot of those games going on. You actually get they actually get pretty decent crowds. Um, 
compared like there there wouldn't be much difference from going to a Colorno game on a Saturday to going to a Zebra game in in all honesty. Ah. Um, it just it just depends in the town which which town Palmer's not a big rugby town so you know they are pushing to try and get more people in to the ground but if you've got a big football club you know most people are football fans in Palmer so they will go to Palmer which you know they're a Serie A football team yeah um, I've heard the big the big one who I don't even think they're in the second league they're in the third league is uh, Raviga who have had a couple of mates who used to play for. And, yep, I remember yeah, that. They they, yeah, they pack out their stadium week in, week out pretty much. You, but that's just because that's a rugby town. Do you think there's an element of that as well because they're playing other Italian teams and there's natural rivalries? Whereas, you know, if Southern Kings rock up to your stadium, you know, you guys care, obviously, but maybe it's not got that yeah. that passion for the locals as such. Yeah, I, th- I think that that definitely is a driving force in it. I think it's always going to be hard if you've, you know, you've only got two teams in your league. Mm. Um, uh, I think it's just um, convenience and stuff, really. Uh, obviously, when we play Treviso, yeah, we got a better crowd at their place, which Treviso is a bigger town. Um, at our place, yeah, it, it was busier, but it, it still, we weren't, we weren't putting out our stadium and maybe that's something to do with obviously more game TV now. You know, we're, yeah. we're live on Premier Sports, so if it's easier for them to watch that, then you know, maybe they don't want to come down to Palmer, which it could be a bit of a travel for them. Mm. Um, Italy, Italy's not a small country. <laughs> and uh, what's your relationship like with Benetton? I mean, it, it, I mean, is that a genuine rivalry like the you know, Quinn Saracens type rivalry? Uh, between the Italians, it is definitely. Um, they. You know, when you join the club, that's all they speak about. Um, which, for a foreign player, actually got quite annoying for, for us <laughs> this year because we're well, not so much. We had a game. I can't remember who we played the week before, but none of the talks were based on the game we're playing that weekend. It was all right. We've got Benetton in two weeks. Really? Um, all, all the meetings get focused around there, which I understand. That's a big thing for them. Obviously, the president of our club that's the big game for him that's all the staff that's the game they want to win um, and like the boys some of the boys joke it's like well it doesn't matter how, how the league goes as long as we beat Benetton um, which you know there's, there's no smoke without fire so it, it comes from somewhere it's probably not 100% true but mm. there is a little bit of an element to that and yeah, we play, we play them five times this year which why, why is that then so twice in the league how, how, how does that work because twice in the league twice in the league one more at the end for Derby Day, which is the end of the season. Right. So twice over Christmas. And then we played them, for some reason, we played them twice at pre-season, which I don't think was the best idea. No, I don't think that's the best idea. They, uh, we've made a living out of that. We played, when I was at Quinns, we played uh, London Irish twice in pre-season. And then somehow they beat us in the first game of the season. Which, nice. Uh, I, I don't think you yourself up better this season if you're playing against your rivals. No, I, I tend to agree there, particularly as you can you know nip over to France and get some games there. 100%. Just play someone completely out of your comfort zone. Um, someone who's not going to challenge you in different ways. And mm. I think definitely when we're at Quinns, I think they they actually teed up that the first two games a lot better than us. They kept a lot of stuff hidden. Whereas yeah. we put ev- everything onto the pitch that we were going to do in the first game. And Quite no. rightly, they were like, right, we know what you're going to do. Um, it's just a different way of I coaching, guess, I suppose. And, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a couple of things going on there, isn't there? I mean, first of all, the Premiership is a different beast. I mean, it is so competitive. You don't really care about anything yeah. other than winning in the Premiership. Whereas I guess yeah. with your two clubs, it's more of a case of, you know, you want to win. You want to win every encounter. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, no, definitely. And I think the, with the way the Zebra have been, you know, obviously it's not, they've not been where they want to be over the last well, three or four years. Mm. Um, they got a few more wins this year. And, um, we've been doing, we've actually, well, apart from last night, they didn't go well at all. No, um, I saw that. Was that Glasgow that you played? Yeah, Glasgow. It's obviously a tough place to go. Yeah, um, Glasgow, a good we, outfit. We, yeah, we we're on a, we we're on a decent run and, I think that was one thing that shocked me when I got here. Is the, you know, well, not so much shocked, so I was probably quite naive. Obviously, didn't know anything about coming out here, but just the level of the level of players, the skill-wise, the, the fitness, like they they have got the players. Mm. Um, it's just maybe you know different ways of going onto the game and how you how you approach games and just stuff like that um, that is backwards out here in terms of travel and stuff and training and just the facilities but obviously they're working on a budget yeah uh, when you say that I mean you know, how do your facilities compare there compared to Harlequins because Harlequins have obviously got a pretty decent setup. Uh what in terms of the whole rugby environment stuff? yeah uh, I think Quinn's got to the point where they're very fortunate you know they and uh, it's the way that premiership's going because it's so attritional mm. you can afford to you can afford to change up your your training week. It doesn't have to be the same thing week in, week out, which it always used to be. If you said five years ago, probably every team in the Premiership would have the same training week. So, right, this day we do this, this day we do that, mm. X, Y, and Z. Um, I think as the Premiership's going on and, you know, you know, what it takes out of you mentally and physically, you have to change up your weeks, you have to freshen up your weeks. And I think now clubs go on their different paths and... Uh, all teams are winning games at the moment. There's no one who's losing every game, so you can afford yeah. like, You can try one one thing this week, and if that works, like right, we're not going to do that. I know, for instance, um, Saris don't do team runs. Which is that right? Yeah, you know, they don't do team runs now. So Friday, their whole thing is you know keep players fresh for Saturday, and there will be a lot of clubs who will be like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Or a lot of players who will think, yeah, that is a nice idea, but. Probably on the other hand, there's a lot of players who are like, no, I actually like the team run to come in, make sure everything's fresh. And we obviously at Quinn's got a pretty good feed on Friday as well at the yeah. loop, so we we're quite happy to come in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's quite interesting actually. I was talking to a couple of lads from Sale, and they were saying that um, if you see if you execute a nice move in the Premiership and it and it comes off, next couple mm-hmm. of weeks everyone will be do, doing that move because everyone's studying yeah. everyone all the time. Yeah. No, I, agree, I 100% agree and probably didn't answer that last question. Uh, the Italians probably, are, it's just three or four years behind that. Mm. So they're kind of still, well, hold on, this is Monday, this is Tuesday. This is, and it's very much we need to do more, which for, I personally don't think it's the way it should go. Um, I think the way rugby is now, how hard it is on Saturday, you have to keep players fresh and you can't just keep running players into the ground. Um, we, I think the Pro 14 over the Christmas from November to January, we had 13 games in a row. Is that right? And, yeah, and obviously out here, we don't we don't have the same size squads as you do in the Prem. Mm. So that that is a tough ask for players and you're flogging them into the ground week, week in, week out. Um, yeah, that, that's when injuries start happening. So do you know what? Um, but, I, but, 
I've said I've said to the coach before. I've, you know, um, we saw a move that Teresa were running, and I was like, "That's use that. That's run that against them." Um, just a bit something a bit different because we ran it in training, and you know, uh, one of the teams scored against the other, and I was like, well, "That's a good move. Let's run that." It felt good. We ran it nicely. It was like, "No, they returned the answer." It's like, "Well, that's not that's not our move. That's their move." Really? And obviously, in my head, I'm like, "What, <laughs> what does it matter?" Yeah, what well, does it matter? But sometimes it's more of a case of you just bite your tongue, get on with it because it, it, that's their way and that, that's the way you do it. You're not gonna like a lot of players say when they go to Italy, France. You, you're not you're not gonna change the way they do it. And no. If you go out there wanting, if you go out there wanting to try and change it, it, it you know you you're gonna get yourself into a bad situation. Probably more to do with yourself because you'll get annoyed. So. It's more a case of bite your tongue and try and work with them rather than against them. Now, that's quite interesting. More on a global perspective here regarding you. And the reason I say that mm. is you play your rugby, well, you're playing at Quinns on the wing. Have you moved back into 13? Are you still on the wing now? Um, yeah, no, I played a lot. Funny, the first time I actually ever played on the wing was for Quinns. Yeah. Uh, so used to play a lot, uh, 13 or 15 with... Um, especially going up the England age groups. And then Quinn's put me on the wing in the league game and decided to tell me afterwards that I was out of position all the time, which... <laughs> cheers, lads. Um, yeah, cheers. So, no, I think the way the way the rugby's going, well, as you can see at international level, the centres are definitely a lot bigger players now. Yeah. Um, you've still got the few who, with outside breaks, like Johnny Josephs and stuff, uh, Elliot, Elliot Daly still wants to play 13 with the outside break, but ultimately he's been pushed wider. So. Yeah. At the moment, I've been playing more on the wing. Um, played, played a bit of fullback at the start of the season, um, which you know I really enjoy playing fullback. Um, it just kind of, obviously, you can go to different teams now, and different ways they play will suit different attributes of players. And you know, the way they play at one side for a wing might be completely different to another side playing on the wing. And just kind of finding a place that suits your skill set is pretty key. And it's not just the same play. Every, everywhere in the Premiership like it used to be. Well, the reason I mentioned that move is because when you're commenting on things like, um, you know, what the back division should be, what team moves it should be, if you're playing closer to the action, mm-hmm. fullback, 10, 12, something like that, um, I'm not saying you get listened to more, but you certainly have more of a say about it than playing on the wing. And that might be a, 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 little, bit frus- um, a little bit frustrating if at one time you were orchestrating everything and now you're waiting for the ball. Yeah, I think the lucky thing as ever is that the the um, the wings have a free license, mm-hmm. um, so we kind of uh, we kind of go where we want, and it's up to us and the fifteen to kind kind of uh, organise, especially on the short side because we play we don't just play the same way. You know, we want to reset and challenge teams, which most teams actually do now to try and challenge teams on the blind side because obviously defences can't there; they have to sit off. So it's an easy way of making yards. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is hard and. Uh, it is harder, I'd say. It's not hard. You know, you kind of work your way in. A couple of players you have to get used to who, on the inside, they're like, well, I'm a centre, so I'm staying in the centres. Yeah, Whereas, I bet it's annoying. Obviously, obviously, when time goes on, it's like, oh, actually, I've pushed in here. You can go and hold the whip. And if you get the wingers, the danger players in the middle of the park, they can get the ball wide because that's their element of the game where it should be, you know, footwork speed and they're the players that you want on the ball. Mm. Um you mentioned the size of the players. I mean, obviously, when you were at um, Harlequins, you were playing yeah. alongside lads like Jamie Roberts, and Jamie's obviously an, an enormous man. Um, yeah. You seem to um, 
in, intimate before that maybe lads of your size don't have as much future as they used to playing in the midfield? Uh, I think it's always been a well, conceptual misconception about player size, mm. especially as I joined. Um, I think I've actually been quite lucky that, you know, obviously you re- you read a lot of stuff like well, five, six years ago, especially about, well, I think Shane Williams did a documentary, for instance, who's probably the best example, who, um, whoever coach it was or whichever club was like, right, we need you to get to this weight. He said he got to that weight, he did everything, but he didn't feel good, he didn't feel he was playing as good at yeah. that weight. I've, I've luckily felt felt that, you know, obviously when I joined Quinns, they wanted to put weight on, but it was never like, right, you need to get to this weight or you're not going to play. Mm. Um, and then I, I was lucky at 20, well, 20, 21, that I got a break, I got a break in the side, got to play, got a good run of games in, and I was scoring, which... If you're scoring, you, you know, your coach can't really say anything about your size if, if you're scoring week in, week out and you're doing the basics, right? Um, so I was lucky at that and kind of from there I realised that uh, I think at the time I was 86, 87 kilograms, which yeah. is small in rugby these days, but I had proved to myself more than anything that I was comfortable playing at that weight. Mm. Um, and I always had in my head I'd quite like to get to 90 and then obviously playing there, I was like, right, you know, I, I'm, in, I'm physically... I'm okay with this. Um, as long as I'm making my tackles, getting the basics right, then I, I'm happy staying that way. And I think the coaches there agreed with that. So they, they were quite happy. And I've, I've come over here now. I'm, I've probably dropped a couple of kilograms because the Pro 14's not quite as big and, um, as the Prem. Mm. Um, and it's more it's more for me. Like I, I know what weight I like playing at. I know what, what I feel good. And ultimately, if I, if I have a bad game... And I'll have a different weight that week, then I'll try and change it for next week. Yeah. Um when you say about your your frequent scoring, I know all about that because you were in my fantasy team for that year. So uh yeah, thank you for that. Oh that's good news. Thank you Probably <laughs> one and only, so I'll take that. Uh good good scoring, mate. Um going back to going back to the weight, uh, what always concerns me is yep. you know, I mean you look at players like uh, I'll tell you what it's just gonna see now, um Louis Reese Summit at Gloucester. Yep. Who is rapid. Yep. And I just wonder, like, mm-hmm. if they go ahead and... I mean, I'm not saying they're going to do this at all, but, you know, you could see a, a scenario where a coach says, get in the gym, put an extra 10, 10, 10 kg or 5 kg because of his shape, and you'll be better. Yeah. I just think maybe you lose that, lose, that, lose that step, lose that pace. You'll lose something from your natural game. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think... Well, he's not small, is he? he no, he's, he's, he's like 6'3". Six, six, but like you can see, yeah. he's got that frame. You can put another ten kilograms on him because why not? You know. Yeah. What the thing with that is, for me, I've always said if you put so well, he's probably less than hundred kilograms. Like mm. if a lot of players, I think, who else? Tom Collins and stuff. Um, if, if you tell them to put on five kilograms, you're not going to make them a big winger automatically. No. Because you've got people like well, the bus who's on the other wing for Northampton, who's 128. So you're not. By putting five ten kgs on these smaller guys, you're not going to make them big wingers and ultimately change their game plan. Mm. But they're not going to suddenly start right. I'm big now. I feel like I'm bigger. I'm going to start running into people. Their still main attributes are going to be avoiding people using their speed. So if that's going to be detrimental to that, I don't understand why coaches would want players to do that. If that makes sense? Yeah, completely agree. Um, I, I was what... you, you get the, you get these freaks in the Premiership now who you know. They're 120 kilograms and they they can run the 110.9 and 
why wouldn't you put them in the team? Yeah. Like, quite frankly, they, they can do stuff that other people can't. Yeah, I, I also think... I also think it affects the way that players think because, well, not the way they think. Just because your body shape has changed doesn't mean the way you think has changed. I'll give you an example. I was watching a, a, I was watching a centre um, a few months ago who, you know, being candid, yeah. had put on a lot of weight. And prior to that, he was pretty quick. And you can see, just because he's a bigger bloke, he's not as quick, but he's still looking for the gaps that he used to be able to get through. And you think, this, this just isn't working. Yeah. Just because you're, you're bigger doesn't mean you're going to get through the gaps. You got through the gaps because you were quick. There's more than one way, one way to, to break a gain line. Yeah, no, I, think, I think that's spot on. Um, I, I don't think there is as much pressure nowadays from coaches who are like, right, you've got to put on weight. I think they kind of buy in. They're like, right, this guy's got skills. Yeah, You look at what, Damian McKenzie, who... Um, what's the Colby for South Africa? Yeah, yeah. Coaches, they're going to put them in the team because they, same as the big guys who can make some nothing. These these smaller guys with footwork, you know, they can't get handled and they can't tackle them, and that's always going to be paid. There's no substitute for speed, which yeah. is a lot of coaches always said. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think if you try and change it, it, it it's not going to help the player. Um, and players. You know, going into rugby, uh, I'm, I've probably not got the frame. If I wasn't playing rugby, the same for a lot of players, you have to look, how would their frame be naturally? Yeah. Um, you get these naturally big guys, I would naturally be skinny. Um, so it's not natural for their bodies to actually put on 10, 15 kg more than their bodies actually should be supporting. And uh, I'm, I'm no sports scientist or, you know, uh, physio, but... Could that have, could that um, be a contribution to injuries? I don't know. Yeah, quite possibly. Quite possibly. Um, tell me this then: uh, when your time at Quinns was coming to an end, and it was obvious yeah. to you that you're going to move um, move elsewhere, what was your reaction yeah. when your agent came to you and said um, Zebra's and Zebra's interested? Um, so it's actually a weird one. Um, I think. Last year, I won't go into details, but there was about 16, 17 of us who actually found out one way or another on a Sunday night that we weren't going to be kept on at Quinn's. Oh, no. Um, what was that? It, yeah, it, it, I'm guessing that's not official club channels, just something happened or leaked or something. No, it, it, it was an official call. Um, so, you know, a lot of players were, especially guys who have been at the club for a while, were, you know, a bit annoyed by that to find out on a Sunday night rather than, you know, face-to-face. Um, so... But it, it was in January, and from then, you know, kind of the last six months, especially if you know you're not playing, um, w- was quite hard for a lot of boys. Yeah. And when you've got 17 or so in the squad who know they're not going to be there next year, um, especially with the way the rugby market is going and was last year, I think last year, maybe the year before, was two seasons when you, you see all these players that are struggling for contracts. There's a lot of good players in the world right now, and a lot. There's not a lot. There's always not going to be enough space for players to play where they want to play. Yeah. Ultimately, um, so I got to. I think I got to March, April time. Um, you know, I'd had a couple of little nibbles, but nothing was on the table. And you can get as many nibbles as you want, but until something's on the table, then it actually means as much as the paper is written on. Yeah. So, I, I was still scrambling around. I didn't really know what I was going to do. Uh, one of my close mates, me and uh, Henry Cheeseman, who's now playing down at Roslyn Park. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, is we, he a full-back wing? Uh, well, 
used to be flanker, used to be wing, now he's playing in the centre, which oh, okay. is his preferred and best position. Which, by the way, is a, is a great range of uh, positions to to offer a coach if you um, if you want to get paid. Correct, but I think unfortunately for him, it probably hindered him. Yeah, it goes both ways. One one year he's playing flanker, next year he's playing wing, and you know you've got a lot of new stuff to learn and. Uh, likewise, when you get labelled a utility back, it's like, well, let's stick him on the bench, which you know looks good from the outside, but obviously as a player, you're like, well, I want to start. I yeah, want to that's fair, actually. Um, so I, I kind of got to, well, April time, and then I got a call from Conor O'Shea, who obviously used to be the um, director of rugby at Harlequins, mm-hmm. and was was last year out, out in Italy, and he says, what what have you got for next year, mate? Um what are you doing? And I, well, I was at the time where I was just being honest. I, I was being honest. I was like, I've, I've got nothing. Um, I'm open to options. And he pulled out Zebra, which, um, yeah, I was looking for a change. So ideally, I, w- I was looking at going to France. Um, but with all the GIF qualified players and stuff, it's quite hard. They do everything very late. And well, the first time you're in that situation, I think, as a rugby player, is quite hard. I bet you, it is. You're panicking. Yeah. You don't really, you don't really know what it's going to be like because uh, you haven't been in that position before. And as for any ways of life, the unknown's always scary. So he he said, "Do you want to do you want to sign for Zebra?" And I was like, "Well, I'm definitely open to chat." So I went over, saw the facilities, kind of saw the area, and I was like, "Yeah, I, I can see myself living here." And, um, and how did they sell it to, to you? I mean, what was it that really that really uh, attracted you to the place? Was it walking around the town? Was it meeting the guys? Um, for me, it, it was more just a, like a breath of fresh air. I bet I it was something something completely different from Quinns, which obviously in the last five months had been quite tough. So I was like, right. Uh, to put it blunt, I probably I'd probably been a bit fed up with the prem, and in the back of my head, I was probably a bit pissed off the way I'd been treated. So I was like, right, I want a fresh challenge. Um, I want. I, I kind of in my head was a bit bitter towards the prem. I think probably I didn't want to go to another club and get treated the same. Yeah. So I was like, right, a complete new new opportunity. Spoke to Jamie, uh, spoke to Dave, and was like, look, how are you finding it? And they said it's different, but they're loving it. Um, and came out here. Uh, they didn't want me to come out. Actually, I said, no, I want to come out and see the place. They're like, no, we're happy. <laughs> you're, you're not doing it. So, but just different stuff like that. Which so the coach told Dave he had the day off training to come pick me up, which you'd never get at the Prem Club. No. Um, walked in, met all the boys. Um, really welcoming. Uh, obviously, again in the Premiership, if you've got a new signing come in, it will be done behind closed doors, probably at a different place to the training ground. But came in, met all the boys. We all went out for lunch, um, and I was like, you know, this is from what can be quite a daunting thing for some players. I reckon moving abroad. I was like, well, hold on a minute. I've been here for two hours, and I've been kind of welcoming with open arms, and that kind of continued as soon as I moved over here. I was like, well. This is a great bunch of boys, very close knit, as I said earlier, and um, and yeah, since I've been out here, it's been great. So, um, this is a bit of a weird question, but did you find? So, did Zebra find you then via Conor O'Shea, or did your agent find that deal for you? Uh, no, so I actually signed it through me, just through me and Conor. Oh, brilliant! So you don't even have to pay agency fees. Uh, not at the moment, no. Awesome work. But, <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it worked nicely. Um, I think, uh, well, because I'm now back 
back with my old agent, who wasn't my agent last year, uh, yeah. for one reason or another. So I'm back with him, who's a close mate of mine, and he, he's been telling me that it's, that's the way it's going. Um, you know, a lot of clubs, a lot of director of rugby's will do. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Whatever they can to avoid using agents. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and it, it is hard. I can imagine it, it's a hard job being an agent. You've got to be in the right place at the right time. Mm. Um, and But at the end of the day, I think you get to a stage when you're in panic mode as a player, yeah, you're going to do whatever you can to get a job for next year because ultimately it's your lifeline. If, yeah. If yeah. I'm like, oh, no, I can't speak to you because my agent will be annoyed. It's like, um, but I, I think that was just the place I was in at, the, at that time. You, I, I was I was being selfish, but ultimately I was panicking. So Not to underestimate what agents do at all. I think a good agent is worth, um, is worth the weight in gold, but uh, you've got to find a club. I think it's more players, kind of the academy guys, and that you know, well, the so-called. There's been a lot of um, journalism on it at the moment. So-called, like the middle tier of English rugby players. I, I read the article which Charlie Morgan did uh, on himself. It's really good. And it's more them guys that need the, um, like they need the agent because they need to know what clubs are looking for, whereabouts everything is. And yeah, there's a lot of senior guys like they could they can do their own contracts. Like if you're playing for England, you're, you're a starter. Like you've got. You've got the, um, what's the word, the experience, you know, the rugby CV to negotiate your own contract. And if you're in a position, you know what you want, um, you know what the market is, then why wouldn't you do your own contract, I suppose? Yeah, and I think it's a really strange <clears throat> strange place that premiership players find, find themselves in, particularly English ones. So if I remember correctly, you were scoring a lot, but then the next season you were, you were, quite, you were quite injured or you weren't having the game, game time that, that you were. So for, uh, when was this? Uh, the last two years at Quinn's so you had your scoring season didn't you and then you, yeah, got, and then yeah, you got injured and I just thought like uh, go on yeah no, no it was just it was more the change of the change of boss oh was it um, yeah I was like me and so obviously the year the, the year before I left was there was me there was Vissa who were on the we were just challenging each other and kind of getting pretty competitive over who's scoring um and then it, you know, when Gaspar came in, which when a new coach comes in, you can always, you know, it's an exciting opportunity for everyone, and it can it can go one way or another. Um, it can either go really well for you, yeah, which it went it went for a lot of boys, and you know, good luck to them, like fair play to them, that right place, right time as it is in rugby. Um, for other guys like me and Vista, it went completely oh, the wrong way. Do you know what you? Sort of just reminded me, which is amazing. This, I mean, I watch a, um, a lot of rugby, and obviously Tim Visser was, I, I, in my opinion, one of the one of the best wings. He's certainly one of the best wings at certain aspects of the game in the Premiership. Yeah. And then overnight, he just yeah. disappeared, and then he retired. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot. Yeah, that was probably what made it harder last year. I think there was a lot of guys. Yeah, me and Tim were competing week in week out. Uh, you know. When you're competing week in, week out to scoring in the Prem, uh, right, 
how many A-League appearances have you got? It, <laughs> it, takes, its, it, take, it takes its toll on you. And ultimately, like, Tim kind of decided that wasn't for him. Um, obviously, we're different different age brackets, um, and he made a decision to call it there. Um, I obviously, well, six, six or so, five or six years younger, I, I still want to still feel like well, my body is in good condition apart from this injury at the moment, yeah. and it will be it will be in two months. Um, I feel twenty eight, well, twenty seven at the moment. Next, I'll be in my prime. I'm, it's not like I'm on the decline at the moment, and not. I'll be feeling fresh. I don't think I'm going to lose any of my speed. So I'm yeah. in a pretty good place. And there was a lot of players last year. I think, you know, you got Dave Wards, Luke Wallace, this, um, Horwell retiring. A lot of players who kind of were at the club last season. But as there's been a lot of media right now, it's, you know, you, you serve your time for the club and then it's kind of where, what's after there. Where has Luke Wallace gone? Is he at Coventry or somewhere? Yeah, Luke's at Coventry now, yeah. I mean, that's an incredible story because he had one of the worst injuries I think I've I've heard of in a long time. Well, one of the most painful, at, at least. And um, yeah, then, blame, then blame he made it, it back. Yeah, season under Irish game. <laughs> oh, oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, that, that sounded no, absolutely horrendous. Com- complete freak injury. Um, yeah, horrible. Um, and, yeah, another one who yeah had to change his kind of... Oh, you kind of change your goals, you kind of change your, well, you, you change your work, which is yeah. hard to take for a rugby player. Um, you, know, you see yourself on X and Y as a salary, um, and then if that gets cut, cut in half, it's it's quite hard to take. Yeah. Um, but I think it also, for me, it's made me a lot more conscious about money, um, if that makes sense. It but does absolutely make sense. You, you know, we, we, we are paid well. Um, and you take if you get cut in, if you get paychecks cut in half like completely changed then you're obviously going to feel a bit neglected as a player and no one wants to take a pay cut because ultimately if you take a pay cut as a lot of people I think it was half said he was taking a pay cut from 26 um, once you take one pay cut it's hard to get back um, but that's the challenge of rugby and like I said it's right place right time and yeah, I mean, I think one of the things the club, one of the things the club should really do, is be educating players on spending money, and not even spending. Yeah, yeah it's actually spending money, because it's not about how much you earn. I mean, actually, most lads under twenty six don't need to spend much money at all because you don't have a family, yeah. so on and so forth. If they keep their expenditure low, they've got every chance of ending this career with you know a house paid for or a decent pension pot or something, something for a nice transition. Yeah. But if you're spending yep. every penny that you have and you're earning 120 grand, and that's absolutely possible, that's only like 70k's worth of disposable income. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have a real problem. Yeah, I think that's definitely. Well, you grow well, certainly at playing at rugby clubs. You play with some interesting characters, and you do see how different people you know go about spending their money. Some people are very switched on about it. Some yeah. people aren't, and I actually think. You get more switched on. The players that I know who are switched on are, with their money, are guys who have, you know, they've taken a pay cut, mm. or they're in that they're in that position where they've actually had to sit down. You know, it's not just they're not just getting pay rises every year. They've had to sit down and say, right, hold on, this is going, this is this is happening now. Yeah. How do I need to change the way I'm living, or can I keep on with this? Do am, am I still looking? For, I don't know if, if your goal is to buy a house. Is that changed? Is it? Well, and it's different stuff like that, or, or, or definitely guys who have been injured a while. Um, you know, one of my best mate is 
uh, Jack Clifford, who, you know... Oh, yeah, of course. Poor, oh. bloke, poor, bloke, poor bloke's had the worst run of injuries I've seen. Um, but he, although he's tight as hell and will never buy a lounge, <laughs> he's very good with his money, to be fair. Good. Yeah, it's good to hear. Well, I, I mean, I think I go back to something you said earlier on, which is, you know, as an 18-year-old and you hear the scene, and you hear that the senior squad are all going out on the beers, you want to go out on the beers. Yep. And you don't spend, you know, the senior squad don't look at you and go, oh, yeah, let's only spend, uh, you know, what 18-year-old Charlie Walker's spending. Charlie Walker says, oh, yeah, I'll spend yep. the same as whatever, you know, Danny yep. Kerr's spending or or whoever it is. And, it, you know, yep. people just look at what the senior guy is doing and think, yeah, that's how I should be living. And actually, it's all individual to each, to each person. 100%. And I think it's a bit different, I'd say, when you're 18, oh, from 18 to 20, because they're kind of... They're your best years of your life, I think. Yeah. Um, well, obviously you can say it differently, but in my opinion, from there, 18 to 20, you know, you've just finished school, you get put in a house with a load of other lads your age, you're playing for, for a premiership rugby club, and your whole goals then are you just want to get in the first team. Exactly. Um, you know, you come in and your first year is your first year, and you're like, well, if I train really well, I'm going to play in the first team, which is actually complete bollocks because it's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You've seen it from another. You've seen it from another side now. Like now, I'm older. It's like you see these 18 year come, come in, and you know you put them on a row for their first session, and they are, you know, they're falling off the thing. But they think if they do that, they're going to play, which is the right attitude to have 100 percent because we've all been there. But you're laughing that they're next to them. It's like now, nah, pace yourself. It's yeah, I mean, if if they're not um, the best years of, of your life, they're definitely the most exciting. Yeah, definitely the most exciting, and money's not really like. You're paid. You're paid. You're paid pennies. Yeah, but it's a lot. It's a lot more than you're getting paid at school because you're not getting paid. So it's a lot more than zero. Yeah, and, and, um, and it's a lot more than you make in uni too. Exactly, and you're there literally just living the life every day. You're, you've you've not really got anything to worry about. Like unless you're Marco Smith or someone, you're not buying houses at nineteen. Like, no, it's you're you're just renting. You're getting by. You know, you're actually learning probably as you're eighteen, twenty to spend your money a bit wiser. You know, probably for the last couple of weeks, you're living off pot noodles and stuff. But, you know, that, that's a story that you can tell in four years' time. So, oh, remember that house we lived in, that's how horrible was that. And they're kind of your growing moments. You're, you're not worried about getting injury insurance or, you know, paying a mortgage or stuff like that. Or where's your money going to come from if you have to retire? Those things don't even cross your mind then because as an 18-year-old, well, especially if you're coming up through school and you've played 16s, 18s, you're probably in the 20s now. You think you're indestructible, which, as every young guy thinks you are. You think nothing's nothing's going to get you down. You, you'll keep playing. You'll just keep playing rugby. You'll keep getting paychecks, which is a nice place to be. Yeah. it's uh, when, when you're 22, it's never-ending. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to keep going and keep playing until I'm 40. Just changes, changing the subject a bit, a bit then. Um, did Gustard expect different things from his wingers for, than John Kingston? Because that's kind of how I read into the situation you found yourself in. Uh, yeah, I think probably there was more of a um, more of an emphasis on kind of um, box kicks and you know being, being more of an aerial threat, which makes sense um, from where he came from. Yeah, no, hundred percent, and you know, ultimately where he came from, they they, they had one stuff, so. If you're winning stuff playing that way, why wouldn't you continue playing that way? Um, he obviously wanted to buy into it, the kind of the Quinn's brand, which was always around there. But even you know, from a playing side of things, I can see that since 2012, we we weren't really going anywhere. Yeah. So if if you change coaches, you change a lot of things. You know, you change a couple of players, then 
if the last thing you haven't changed is the way you play, then that's probably something you're going to look at. When when everything's so tight in that league, you need to look at everything and think, well, hold on a minute, why don't we try this? And, yeah, you, you've got to come in with fresh ideas and yeah. like no disrespect uh, from what he did. He came in and he played the way he wanted to play, and for a lot of players, that didn't really fit into the way because we had been brought to Quinns to you know kind of play not loose rugby, but what we were sold as an exciting brand of rugby, and a lot of for for instance, a lot of things we got bought to the club for probably wouldn't be for being high ball experts. So. Yeah, Quinns certainly have a brand of rugby, don't they? And it doesn't necessarily involve a high ball all the time. And not that, not that it does now, for, for the record, but it's just, I know exactly what you're trying to say. Yeah. Uh, I, I also appreciate a man that knows that knows his own mind. And Gustav definitely has a few ideas. What did you make of all, like, I don't know if this is even true, actually. Was there really a bear in the changing room? And, like, Apache attack helicopters landing on the training field, that kind of thing? Uh, well, I'm not sure. Well, I'm not there anymore, so there's definitely a bit. There's definitely a bear. Uh, there definitely was a there definitely was a helicopter, <laughs> and and you know there was a couple of different stuff that got brought into meetings just to ah uh, you know that that kind of stuff that kind of um, difference in the training week is fun. You know you bring something in for a meeting because no player wants to be sat in an hour meeting um, just scribbling stuff down. I mean, you know probably you. you probably your main players who actually enjoy those meetings will take about two or three points from an hour and there's some players who literally will be asleep in the corner yeah do, do so you know, i went to watch you've got, you got Sorry, to change God. the meeting up and make them exciting um i think we especially when you know we had a couple of characters in the coaching staff you know alex codling came in adam jones they you know really brightened up the meetings with you know i think we played the wheel the wheel of misfortune and stuff which what, what's the wheel of misfortune? Uh, just run by and stuff like, just, yeah, just different stuff like that. Uh, like, what questions like? What not, happens? Not, not so much based on rugby. What, what happens with the with the wheel of misfortune? No, I can't go too much into it. <laughs> <laughs> fine, 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 fine. Just, just say there was, there was some good acting, and it changed the meetings a little bit. Good. Uh, well, I must admit, I must admit, I have been in a video analysis session before. And I understand why they mm-hmm. exist, and I understand what the coaches are trying to get over. But the amount of information that goes it goes into you, it, it like I was only in there for for half an hour, and it wasn't a Premiership meeting either. Um, I just thought no one's learning. I mean, there was a lot of Premiership players there, but it wasn't a Premiership team. Um, I was like, yeah. I can't understand. I would, I can't go out and play rugby remembering. Well, actually, remembering what the opposition's going to do on a Saturday and watch this on a Thursday. I just can't, I can't do that. It, it's really difficult. Yeah. I, I think it's even harder as well when, so I've seen another side now. So in Italy, we have very long meetings, which I understand why they need to be slightly longer because we have uh, Bradley speaking in English with his Irish tone and Yep. throwing a couple of ran- random Italian words in which make no sense to the Italians <laughs> and then we have Troncon speaking full Italian throwing a couple of English words in Oh, yeah. Um, so there is translation but ultimately like we've had some meetings this year which are about an hour and a half and I know from looking at some of the younger lads they have no idea what is like what has just gone on that is brutal and if, as you get older you kind of if someone shows you a clip, no matter what language they're speaking, and you've played rugby long enough, you know what you know what they're talking about. Yeah, and you know what you need to do. But for younger guys, that that isn't the case, you know. And you'll get a lot of younger guys who will learn a lot from sitting in a classroom, and a lot of guys who will learn nothing and actually need to be on the pitch 
and walking through it or being told what to do because we obviously get the, oh, does everyone understand any questions? A lot of young guys, well, I'm not putting my hand up. No, I'll get shouted at. You get outside, they're going to get shouted at because they don't have a clue what's going on. Yeah, I can completely completely understand that. Um, this is a weird question to ask. Um, does anyone ever bring pen and paper into these meetings? Are, are you encouraged to have like little folders? No, I was, I was joking about this with someone the other day. So all the foreigners have a pen and paper. Okay. The Italians didn't. Um, and then we got told on the first week that everyone needs to have pen and paper and bring and with in one day everyone had a pen and paper and then the next day no one had a pen and paper so I can completely like, imagine this it's got to be enforced um, but like lots of guys did, do it differently um, so at, at Quinn's you had to have a you had to have something to write notes down so some people just do it on their notes on their phone some people would make a big drawing on like the iPad or something Yep. Or other other people would just stick with pen and paper. There's so no it, way that I believe different. there's no way that I believe, right, that there is a guy in an hour and a half meeting who's twenty four, twenty five, tapping away on his phone making notes. I don't believe he's using his phone for for that reason. Uh, I'll probably slightly disagree with you on that. I, I, no what no one will be scrolling through just because scrolling through Instagram and Facebook or something just because the fear of getting caught. Oh really? Um uh, well, that that was the case last year. Maybe this year in Zebra, it's a bit different. Um, but no, generally, guys would make... I think if you make the meeting short and concise, and there's actually... Oh, for want of a better word, there's actually a good summary. Yes. Then why wouldn't you take that note down? If you've got three key points for each thing, then write them down. Yeah. Well, if you're going through, like, oh, we're doing this, like, oh, you know, they're 12 wears pink laces, like, I don't care about that. Like, just tell me... What he's, where he's going to go, who their key threats are, and then we can work on that. Like most players will go and do their own research on if they're playing someone unknown. Like if I'm playing someone, especially in this league, who I don't know much about, I'll, I, I might have a look on his highlights the night before just to see if he steps off his left or if he steps off his right. Because oh, okay. ultimately, it's, it, it's you on the pitch who's going to look like a dick. So. Yeah, yeah. So do, do you guys have access to do you, like in, individual access to um, analysis and, and, and whatnot? Yeah, there is there is individual stuff, but obviously more of that stuff is done through. You know, I think there's an app called Huddle, which a lot of people use, and that's more kind of training and yeah, just that. to watch your games and stuff. Individual stuff, and but there's so much media out there now. Like you only have to go on YouTube, type in a player's name, and, and you'll away. find something. And, yeah, and it's pretty simple. Like players' traits don't change too much. Like I think there was a club, and I can't remember which one it was now. Here, you, you, might have, even, might have even been Harlequins, but I think they put the players in threes. So in a group of three, you watch whoever you want to watch, or I don't know. Actually, yeah. you might even be watching yourself, and you make notes on each other, so everyone, so everyone's paying attention, and everyone has to be accountable to everyone else. I quite like that idea. Yeah, well, that, that is a good idea. I agree, but it's one of those things, it's very easy for me to go up to one of the players and be like, you did this really well. Yeah. But the harder thing is to go up to someone and be like, what the hell did you do that for? Why'd you do that? Um, and I think that's where you get the real. If you're a tight knit group and you want the best culture out of your team, that's the level you've got to get to. I think you can't take stuff personally, especially in rugby. No, you can't. Yeah, you get enough. You get enough criticism and stuff. If your one of your close mates or your teammates says something to you that's you know not so good, then you can't take that negatively. You've got to be like, oh, cheers to that, mate. That, that that's going to help me in the future. But if you're taking everything negatively. There's, t- there's so much negative that gets aimed at players now. It's 
you're not going to be a happy bloke. Mm. Uh, this, is, this is just uh, occurred to me. You've got no Italian links, um, have you? No. So you're. I can tell the next question. <laughs> well, I mean, you've been there two years. Do you need to be have five now, though? I've only been there one year, actually. Oh, of course. I'm sorry, sorry. Second season yeah. is is what I'm thinking of. All oh, right. So yep. there's so there's no chance of you pulling on the pulling on the blue jersey then. Well, ironically, it was actually Connor who um, sent me off to play England Sevens. So that kind of put a spanner in his Italian work. So that was ever his plan. Oh. There's no chance of that. Uh, do, 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 do the sevens count, do they? Are they a capture team? From what I've been told, but there's so many, there's so many loopholes and stuff like that, isn't there, that people can find. And Yeah. Uh, well, I've, I've, been trying to find the, I've been trying to find the right person to ask, but I presume, I presume that counts as a full international cap, so it wouldn't. I'm not really it sure it, yeah. what it counts as. I mean, I think the whole capsule is absolute nonsense. You've either played for England or you haven't. I mean, playing in the, yeah. England in the twenties or England A is not playing for England, and neither is playing sevens. Seven, in fact, is it? Yeah. In fact, it's even less. It's a different sport. Yeah, no, exactly. But you try and find the right person to ask that question to, and you'll get a hundred different answers back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the best example of that. I mean, the, the Irish know exactly what exactly what they're doing because they managed to work out that Mike Haley, even though he played for England age groups and England A, he didn't play for them when they were the designated capture team, which is, I mean, that's like um, investigative journalism style uh, research. Yep. I mean, that, that that's quite incredible. And they worked out that, yeah, okay, he's played for these two teams, but not at the right time. Therefore, he's still qualified for England, which is great work. Get him in. Same, same as Addison, wasn't it? Say, yeah, yes. I'm not sure he played for England Day, but yeah, exactly same, same, same sort of thing. England through and through, through the through the systems, and uh, now he's playing for Ireland. And good for him. Yeah, and good, and good decision for both of them as well. Yeah. So just reading between the lines, there, if it was an option for you to go and play play for Italy, you'd probably go and do it then. Yeah, but I think the things changed now. So I think last year, if I came, I know a couple of the boys, the other foreign boys. It's two years for them to get residency. Yeah. I think it's now actually changed to four or five. I think it's five, you know. So, I mean, what are you, yeah. what are you now? You're 27, 26? 27, yeah. 27. So by the time you get it, what, you're 31? Yeah, probably a bit old. You can, you can, <laughs> you can still do a job. Yeah, well, you'd like to think so. No, I don't think that's on the equation. And it, it was never something that... It wasn't in the back of my mind when I moved over here. Yeah. It was more move over, actually get on the pitch and, you know, enjoy playing rugby, which yeah. I think is kind of the key for a lot of players in, who are going through it now. You don't want to be, you just want to be on the pitch, enjoy your rugby and, you know, you, you can be getting paid X, Y and Z wherever you go. Um, for instance, in France, uh, I've got a few mates, you know, they're, pay, they're paid in, you know, um, buckets of cash, but if, if they're not enjoying the experience, then it's not really a great place to be. Yeah, it's a, yeah, that's actually a very good point. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the more interesting developments in Italian rugby at the moment is the identification of, well, I guess English talent. I mean, I mean, I know they are Italians, but Callum Brulee's off to you guys soon. It'd be nice if uh, yep. you could land, um, what's his name? The huge Gloucester back, uh, lot, uh, back row he keeps on running over everyone. Can't remember his name now. Pledry. Pledry, of, of course. Yeah. And I bet there's I bet there's gonna be gonna be a few more. It, I think there will. Um they need to I'd say they need to invest a bit more in just little stuff that will keep players happy. Yeah. Um you know stupid stuff at Zebra like yeah, it's quite common in Italy that there's no food, which is a little little thing. Sorry, um, run that past me again? We, 
There's no food or after games? Food. Nah, just during the training week. So we will train for four, four or five hours, but we won't have food at the club. I am staggered uh, at that. Yeah, but apparently Treviso are the same. Uh, we don't have a groundsman, which obviously for back three players makes quite a big difference. Um, and just the whole like refreshing up the schedule, which you know boys are working on, which has come from um, an in, like international players coming in who have different experiences, who have come from top sides. You know, we've got a couple of boys from Leinster, and they're like, "Well, and why are we doing this?" And if you don't ask the question, you don't get is kind of how we're working. So we're trying to, you know, at the start of the year, it was like, "Well, we're coming on Wednesday," and we're like, "Well, why are we coming on Wednesday? What are we doing?" Like, and if you don't have an answer to the why then players are going to ask you. Yeah, of course and they are. It was very much, well, we're coming in on Wednesday because it's a Wednesday and we've got to do the Wednesday session. And then it'll be, well, hold on, why don't we not do the Wednesday session? And then it'll be like, well, hold on, then when will we do the Wednesday session? And it's kind of <laughs> breaking down that. So yeah. That's not actually how they think. It's yep. like, well, hold on, actually, we do we need to do that? Yeah, lads, we don't, we don't need, need a Wednesday that, session. We Calm it. down. Yeah, like we'll do stupid stuff like, October we um, we trained Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Travelled for twelve hours Thursday and played on Friday. And like we're like, why are we doing this? Why don't we have Wednesday off? And they were like, well, you've got the whole day of rest on Thursday. We're like, well, sitting on a plane, sitting on a bus is not rest. Yeah, we're sitting down. We're like, well, no, that's not technically how it works. Um, and just different stuff like that. That obviously it all comes from funding. Like if they get more funding, the facilities will get better. Um, you know they could get food and stuff like that but I think Treviso are in a good spot at the moment speaking to a lot of the boys their facilities I, I know England train up there um, they they have the facilities and I think that it's getting Zebra to where that is and you know we've got the players we're, we're, we're not far behind no. we've given them some close runs pre-season we beat them we drew to them um, but ultimately that attracts players to come to you I think yeah. we might lose a couple of players to Treviso and that isn't because that isn't because they're going because they don't like the boys or anything. That's because they're going because it is actually a better lifestyle. It's they get looked after better. The, the facilities are better. Uh, that, that's where everyone wants to be. I know we've had talks before that eventually. I think the future plan is to get three three franchises in Italy, which you know from the outside sounds good. You know maybe get one down in Rome. But, yeah. At the moment, if your two franchises are struggling, that's never going to happen because you're never going to get funding for it. No, I think the funding thing's weird because obviously you've both got uh, both Treviso and Benetton. Sorry, let's start again. Both Zeba and Benetton have got club, club presidents. But I think there's a little bit of a muddle, particularly in the Pro 14, as to who pays for everything. In the Premiership, it's obvious who pays for everything. The club owners pay, pay for everything. Yeah. And I think that does hamstring them a bit because everyone's waiting for everyone else to pay for stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's very much driven by the federation. So, to put it in the most basic terms, which obviously has a few loopholes in it and stuff, and it's not 100% correct, but it's basically like the head of the RFU yeah. picking, like, he picks, he'll pick the Quinn's team, he'll pick the Wasps team, he'll pick the Tigers team. And then the head coach is just there to coach them. Madness. So, if the, if the federation wants, uh, you know, X to play, X is going to play that weekend and yeah, in a way, you kind of sit there like I've been told before that well, we need to play, we need to play these guys this weekend. And if you get told that as a player, like I've been told from the top, he has to play. It's like, well, at least you're being honest with me, like yeah. Which a lot of players will appreciate, especially guys who maybe haven't had 
such honest treatment in the past. I'm like, okay, fair enough. At least you're honest. Like you've given me a rest week. He's like, well, uh, hopefully we'll play you again next week. Um, and you go from there, which is better than you know. Oh, you're not going to play this weekend because I don't know. Oh, you slipped over in the 52nd minute or something. It's like, well, <laughs> does that really affect my game night or something like that? Yes. Um, how have you how have you found found the, the travelling in in the Pro 14? Have you done the slog to South Africa yet? Uh, no, I think well, I think I've timed this injury to perfection. Actually, uh, there's some interesting stories that I've heard about that. I, <laughs> I think I'd quite appreciate hear some of those stories, but probably not pr- probably not on the podcast. Nah, yeah, well, no, I think that's probably safe to say. Let's just, <laughs> let's just say they're not free. I don't think they're not free trips. Uh, wow. Wow, wow. Yeah. Um, and that's probably all I can dive into that. But no, that, I think we're going to the... No, the Kings are coming... We're playing the King. The Kings are coming to us and then we're going to the Cheaters. Um, the travelling is tough. Yeah. Um, I think it's... From what I've heard, it's a lot better. We've had it a lot better this year than it was last year. But the thing... The difficulty with Palmer is there's not... Palmer Airport doesn't run anymore. It has like two um, flights that go to Italy. So it doesn't go anywhere else. Oh, so, we have obviously we're on a budget, so we we don't find the closest airport. We find the cheapest airport. So. Oh God! So you've got to go all. I mean, <laughs> Italy's not actually famed for its for its roads. It's all rail. Yeah. So if we so I think the work we had a bad one. We went to breathe earlier earlier in the season, and it would have taken us seven hours on the bus. But we drove to Treviso, and then we took a flight to Bordeaux. So Treviso from us to Treviso is like three four hours maybe. Fly to Bordeaux, two hours, and then it was another two and a half hours on three. Goodness it, me. It, it's just stuff like that, but like I said, you, you're not going to change that. So it, if you find stuff to do, you plan for it, you, you know you're not getting out of it, um, then you actually make the most of it. So, um, so sorry, I, I'm going to I'm gonna have to probe a little um, a little further here. You say it's not free trips. I hope you're not in, implying that some of the players have got to pay for things over in South Africa. No, I probably can't go into that. Okay, fine. Leave, <laughs> leave, uh, leave I, I it there. Can tell you, I can tell you in the past, boys have had to pay some money, which is interesting. Isn't it just? Um, but, yeah, like, just little things. Like, I think the boys today, they, coming back from Glasgow, they left, they left the hotel at four in the morning. And, you know, after, after a game, that, that's, that's going to be tough. And luckily, we've got Saturday, Sunday off. Yeah. Um, but if that was a Saturday night game, we would still be in on Monday. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that is the Pro 14 in general. I mean, if, if you're going to play in Ireland, yeah, of course, Dublin's a, Dublin's a, a major world city. But, you know, yep. the other places are. Oh, oh, no, no, they're not, actually. Let's just say that they're not. And the chances well, like, of... Even when we... Gone. Yeah, we played... When we played Belfast, we flew to Dublin and then drove up, so... Yeah, it makes sense. God, yeah. the travelling so is brutal. It, there, there is a lot of travelling, and... Well, I knew that when I came over here. It's not like... It's not something that I come over here and get annoyed about. It's something that you're like, right, hold on a minute, I've got this. Just kind of being a bit more proactive on stuff. So I actually have stuff to do on the trip rather than just sit there and be like, well, this is actually annoying me. Because if you sit down and you start getting annoyed with yourself in the first hour, you're probably going to get annoyed for the rest of the trip. And yeah, you could probably write a book. That's probably not going to be... Yeah, it's probably not going to be the best bonding for the rest of the lads, is it? <laughs> um, okay, so um, well, first of all, thank, um, thank, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we've been nattering on now for well over an hour. Um, thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. The last thing for me then is, uh, well, actually, a couple more things before we go. How do you see your future panning out then? Do, do, do you think you, you see yourself long term over in Italy? Um, to put it bluntly, probably not. 
Okay. Um, I think for me at the moment, like it's a great experience, you know, picking up a new language, new culture, new challenge. It's what I wanted to do. Uh-huh. Um, I don't see it as a long-term thing. I don't think because just the, just the way it goes, I don't think it, it's the best for my career. And there's a lot of players in the world who, who are quite happy just turning up to work, you know, picking up a paycheck and leaving. And whereas, you know, I still feel young. I, I, well, I am young. Yeah. Um, I still feel fresh and I, I want to challenge myself. And I think for me, I don't think Italy's the best place for that, especially like, I'm, I'm on my own. I'm single out here. So it's, it, yeah, it's a great lifestyle. Yeah. But it's completely different to someone who's come out here, you know, with their family. So if you can't hear with your family, you know, it's a great life for them. Yeah. Um, something completely different. But for me, there's not a lot we do outside of rugby. And obviously, as an English person who speaks English and very little Italian, like studying's not an option out here. It's no. Very much, we play rugby. And then, as you said earlier, Palmer's quite a small place and not a lot goes on. We go for coffee with the other foreigners and then it's. Kind of, well, should we go for another coffee? Um, <laughs> and it goes from there. So, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a long-term plan, but I, I, like in rugby, you'd never rule anything out. Um, and we'll see what happens. Um, I'm on a one plus one, so we'll see what happens next season. So, what about something like the MLR? I mean, that that, that must be a little, um, a, a little bit enticing. Um, yeah, I've I've been in contact with a couple of people out there. Um, definitely exciting and it's definitely something that I would I, I wouldn't say no to um, I know a lot of boys are looking to go out there at the moment and ultimately why wouldn't you I think if someone if someone comes to you when you're you know if you look back and say right someone offered you six months to play in San Diego for example which is obviously the best place to play there yeah what, like, I mean they're all pretty cool no to be that. fair yeah they're all something different but you'd regret to probably only because I've been to San Diego and I loved it just yeah. On the beach all, all afternoon would be pretty nice, but if someone says, "Yeah, when you're retired, you're forty odd," and someone's like, "Oh, I could have gone to, you know, I could have gone to America for six months and played rugby," like, it's stuff like that where you probably would regret it. And I know a lot of players who have kind of finished rugby or you know just played for one club, or which is a great achievement, and I've got utmost respect for them. And you know, I might have been the same if things went different at Quinns. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, there's also a lot of boys who are like, well, hold on, why didn't I try that? Why didn't I take a leap and try something different? Because it, it only improves you as a player as well. You know, even from an amateur point of view, because I, you know, I was never good enough to even play a good standard standard of amateur. But even from that point of view, yeah. I wish I'd have spent, I don't know, my, you know, when I was 19, spent a year in New Zealand just to see what see what the rugby was like there, see what the coaching was like there, just do yeah. just do something different. Yeah, and I, I think that's why I'm so glad I'm I'm here for a year. I'm, you know, I might be here for two years, but it's something when I look back, it's like, well, what? if I'm not, I never really experienced anything different. Then, then how do you know? Like, you don't know if you no, enjoy don't. something until you until you try it. Yeah, well, from my point of view, Charlie, I very much want you to come back come back to come back to the Premiership. Earn, earn me some more. Uh, fantasy rugby points that that'd be much appreciated, uh, and <laughs> and then you can go out to go out to the MLR. Okay, perfect. Well, you know, if, if you're a, if you're a director of rugby, then I'll be taking you up on that offer. Fantastic. Um, where can we find you on social media? And are you particularly active? Uh, yeah, I'm um, on Twitter, but it's more kind of retweets of football stuff, really. Um, uh, Instagram, I think it's 
CJ and Walker. Excellent. Mate, thank you so much for joining me jo- jo- joining me today. Really appreciate your time. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on, 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 uh, on one of our other podcasts too. Sounds good to me, mate. Cheers for having me. Fantastic. Thanks a lot. Have a good weekend, bud. Have a good weekend, bud. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.